In episode number 34 of the WP Candy podcast, Brian Krogsgaard and I jumped back on the mic to discuss the plugin.org review ideas, as well as the Theme Hook Alliance. I'm your host, Ryan Immel. This is the WP Candy Podcast. First up, Brian and I discussed the idea of reviewing plugins that are submitted to WordPress.org. So plugin.org reviews. Uh, lots of activity in the past, what, week, week and a half now, I guess? Yep. And, .org, plugins.wordpress.com is kind of where that's been going on. And it started all based on, well, it's been going on for a long time. I'm glad you brought that up in WP Late Night last week. Mm-hmm. This discussion of like, hey, we need to do something about the repositories have gone on, but Jake uh, Goldman Goldman from uh, from Ten Up kind of got a discussion going on Twitter about you know making it actionable, and a whole bunch of people responded, including myself, and it turned into a Google Hangout. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so what was that last Friday? Maybe uh, anyway, last week. Um, there was a Google Hangout, and there were about 10 of us in there, and it was led by Otto. And I think Otto and Shane and Jake and a guy named Patrick and Eric Hitter and a few other people, we were all in there and just kind of brainstorming about uh, some of the things that people would like to see improved. Uh, have you gotten caught up on the conversation? Uh, I feel like I'm perpetually behind on the conversation because every time I check the blog, there's like 50 new updates. Uh, because the discussion's happening fairly rapidly, but I feel like I'm I'm pretty well caught up on a lot of the big ideas. Uh, I mean, I, I was there for about half of the Google Hangout that you mentioned, and I've read through most of the discussion on the P2. Um, I, I see it was talked about a lot at WordCamp Portland, which of course I was at Grand Rapids, so missed that. And I don't know if any of it was covered during their live streaming or anything like that, but uh, it sounded like it was brought up, and Matt talked about it during his his uh, keynote there, um, or his Matt note, as they would call it. So there's probably little details here and there, but I feel like I'm pretty well caught up enough to discuss it. Well, why don't we just kind of start with... It, we? I tried to, toward the end of the conversation, because it was going for a while, mm-hmm. I tried to break down to three things that we really talked about. Uh, one would be the submission process. The second would be like a community feedback, quality metrics, like the star rating system currently. And then the third being like an advanced vetting process. And the conversation's matured since then, but I'd be curious kind of what your thoughts on, on uh, what are your thoughts on priority and, you know, what do you think is important? Because I kind of, I mean, I had a lot to say during the chat, so. Mm-hmm. So what was the first one again, submission guidelines? Yeah, just the submission process so like, okay. as one of the things that discussed. We tried to, I tried to break the conversation down into those three areas that we were talking about improving. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for m- my tendency is to lean towards the community feedback, and I think when that is improved, the other ones become not not only community feedback, but community involvement with plugins on .org. I think when, if that were to hit a peak, then the others would be less important or less necessary. Uh, vetting, I think, is is a nice idea, but would fall completely apart in practice, and the submission process would be like actually awesome to have maybe just in even just in terms of like a plugin developer handbook or something. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, that's sort of my like sky high view of the three. Uh, I think the most interesting stuff that I, that I've read idea wise has result revolved around 
uh, user and, and developer feedback of plugins in the form of more Amazon-style reviews, which I know is kind of what Matt would like to do, I think. Uh, but also in terms of contributing more to plugins that when you review it, you find that there are things that you could recommend, some some easier process for submitting patches to plugins. Whereas right now you have to basically email those to people. Right. It's not very elegant. And I think if those if those things happen, you know, I think two is, is where I'm most excited. What, what about you? Um, I'm a little more optimistic about uh, the vetting thing than you are. Okay. But... Uh, I agree with you completely on number one. I think there's some very actionable items there, like some of the scans. Like if you install the developer plugin, mm-hmm. uh, we should be able to run that maybe automatically on plugins, and uh, you know, authors should be able to pass that process of what would what warnings and what you would see from the developer plugin. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, so number one makes sense to everybody. I think number two, I think, is the most realistic uh, thing that we can do. Uh, I would kind of. I'd say everybody's kind of leaning towards, to some degree, GitHubify slash Stack Exchangeify, the repository, uh, in different ways. Whether it's socially vetting plugins with upvotes or ratings or Amazon-style reviews, which is probably my favorite mm-hmm. idea, uh, because I think then people have an opportunity to review and people have an opportunity to say, "Hey, this is a good review." Um, I think what would be important in that is actually something BuddyPress does, uh, which Paul Gibbs pointed out to me, is someone can make that review and a discussion can follow that review. So if it's a bad review or whatever, the developer has an opportunity to, you know, kind of work things out. So I think number two is where the most action can happen. And I'm really excited to see what can go on and how it can integrate with what they've already done with favorites and mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's that's the space to watch. As far as number three, I think it's totally possible. I would love to see something happen on .org where, you know, even if it's the top 100 plugins as they've been downloaded in the past year or something or in use or whatever we can come up with, I'd love to see some attention get put forward on those plugins because there's some really popular plugins that could, mm-hmm. that could you use a good review. Well, Okay. I, I, do you think that some of that review, particularly like promoted reviews, will kind of happen organically, assuming that the community feedback is in place? Like, like for instance, you know, Jay Goldman, who brought up the discussion, if he reviewed any plugin, even if it wasn't the top 100 plugin, no doubt his review would get voted up and become sort of the de facto review. Just like on Amazon, there's like this is these are high rated reviews, like the actual rating of reviews themselves would sort of become kind of like a vetted review of that because you'd see that that dot org person's, you know, name and profile attached to it, that would carry a lot of weight, you know. Maybe? I mean Um Yeah, sorta. Of. I think that part of the issue is still getting to that point. Like somebody has to see those reviews. Right. Part of the vetting process that I would be excited the the thing I'd be most excited about with the vetting process is uh, having a place to guide non-developers to find plugins that work. And I think search alone is tough because I, it's pretty difficult right now in the regular repository. Right. So I think you're right. Once you get to a specific plugin, uh, the, all the things in number two are great. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can figure out, hey, is this thing worthwhile? 
but how do you find the one that's worthwhile versus the one that's not? Uh, and I think that's what some sort of archiving method could accomplish with, and maybe it's a vetting system or maybe it's just a, some sort of structuring process in the repository itself. I don't know. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested in seeing more because I think, yeah, what you're hitting on is exactly what I think would want to be one of the most uh, useful next steps. And I, I'm not sure if this has been brought up in the discussion, but I, I haven't had a chance to really join it uh, over the past few days. But one thing that I'd like to see come out of this or maybe even happen in the next few days is almost like what the UI team was doing with the uh, the user testing, but for like a, a maybe a, a relatively average computer user trying to find a good plugin on .org like what they think about, what they look for, what they look at, and what ultimately like causes them to decide something is worthwhile because that's really the main pain point is how do, yeah. how do just average human beings find plugins to use. I think that'd be great because I think we might realize like no one's looking at right. this. No there might looking. be some much bigger problems than some of the stuff being discussed, right? Yeah, um, and I was... Uh, I think it's mostly been auto that's been playing with the layout of the plugins pages mm-hmm. uh, over the past year or so. But I think a lot more can be done to to really determine what people are going to now. Yeah, and even better, maybe we can dream up how can we send people to the places we want them to go right. in order to discover that this is a quality plugin. And I think some of that, I mean, it, it's obviously everybody relates it to their own situations, and I think sometimes you know, questions are thrown out like, how do I help like literally this person that I'm working with or dealing with? How do I help them find the right stuff? Well, to me, those are, those are easy. It's like you, you give them a list, tell them these are the plugins you should use, right? The harder thing is how do we help the person who we can't contact in any other way than they're searching.org or even worse than that, they're just typing into Google. Um, And, and I mean, there's a ton of plugins out there. Yeah. We look, me and you look at these things all day. Uh, and there's segments of plugins. I was looking for a newsletter plugin that's not integrated to a third-party service, like basically just using the built-in mailing process mm-hmm. or subscribing and mailing. It took me forever. I mean, I I downloaded, installed, tested three, four, five plugins, and yep. you know it was a tough process. And most people aren't even going to go through that. Right. Uh, so I would I would love to see a way for plugins that are good to find their way to the top of certain categories. And for people to have a better way of filtering two important categories and also uh, once they're in a certain category, be able to have the good plugins kind of float to the top. Yes. Whether whether that's through a completely community-wide thing or vetting process, I don't care. I just want it to be better. Yep. And that's, I mean, that everybody can agree on that. I think, I think where I stand right now, I'm, I'm most, I, I think... Of all the ideas, the 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 one that has maybe the um, the the best ratio of work or changes to possible like output on the other side is the community feedback alterations, like whatever whatever can be tweaked to allow the mass community to like work on this effort together. Uh, I think that's that's the the sweet spot is changing those things because then everybody's working on it. Uh, everybody is helping in their own their own way, and I think people are ready to do that. I think enough people want to do that 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 kind of stuff has a, has a good chance of working. Uh, and maybe some of the vetting and like professional review stuff can be worked into that. Yeah, and I do think that that vetting process, and we're talking about that a little bit in the chat room right now, uh, 
I do think that that vetting process will show up somewhere. It's, it doesn't seem like it's going to be as feasible to do that on .org. It'll show up on a third party, and hopefully it does a good job. <laughs> uh, and that's why I like to see those types of things on .org if they can happen, you know, or in the official, in the official place. Well, and, I think, yeah, I mean, dot, .org is where the most impact happens, but I, I mean, like, it seems like there are some ideas which might fall outside of the scope of what, you know, .org's going to do, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be done. You know, sometimes, like, it's actually, because it's easier to iterate on some of these ideas if they're outside of the .org system, because you can put it together, and if it breaks or doesn't work or whatever, it's not being shown to, you know, tens of millions of people and, and falling apart for them. Um, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, there, I think there's some curation ideas. I mean, we've talked about Knapsack before. Uh, you know, obviously, there's some favoritizing plugins things on .org, which are taking place, which could be wrapped into the dashboard. I mean, there are ways of jumping through hoops to make some of that happen a little bit faster, which could be useful for prototyping means and might actually be, you know, looped into core or looped into .org, you know, faster that way. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I do like where this discussion has gone because some of the early discussion was like, hey, do we need to really, you know, kick a bunch of plugins out and make the process of getting in a lot harder? And I wouldn't like to see that. Right. Uh, I think that, you know, just like I was talking about earlier, I mean, I went through a little bit of learning curve submitting mm -hmm. plugin, and a lot of people do that. They cut their teeth on the repository. Yes. And uh, I think that's not a bad thing. No. We don't, we don't want it to be, we don't want that barrier entry to be higher than it already is. Let's face it. I mean, I, I actually wish it could be a little bit simpler because there's some, it, you know, it's kind of like you have to figure out some things and pass some tests which aren't necessarily related to developing a good plugin, uh, but you just kind of have to figure out how to um, submit it properly and get everything set up to to kind of get through that. And we don't really, I mean, I, I don't like the idea of that being harder to do. We, we like, I mean, people making plugins is a good thing. More of that, you know, more options, more things, but definitely you know, a better way of, of measuring and showing which ones are, are higher quality. And some of it, I mean, honestly, I think, you know, it's, it's worth pointing out that just having the flags thrown up for this plugin hasn't been updated in two years. Like that was actually a big step, I think, because you see that and you're like, oh, I don't want to use that anymore. Yeah, uh, that's a huge influence on me yeah. every time I get a plugin. Mm -hmm. uh, so how do we wrap this up for people that want to, catch up because like you said the .org plugins .wordpress.com that chat is getting pretty extensive it's getting pretty extensive we almost uh, I think people need to watch the video sure yeah there's I think that would I mean I, I would I would say the video is useful to, to stay in touch with maybe just the, the history like for archival purposes the video is great but honestly there are so many different things thrown out in that video you can probably get a faster idea of everybody's opinions by skimming through the, the P2 entries because there was a, I mean, like you said, you, you know, it, it's tough to kind of draw together everybody, even just the two of us, to draw that into actionable steps is difficult. Yeah, it looks but, like there's some good notes actually taken at uh, in Portland because yes. they had had two unconference style sessions just on this topic, and actually Matt put some notes in here as well. So maybe just go through and look at the ones that get a lot of replies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Maybe some blog can write about it and summarize some of this. I don't know. Yes. And I think for those that want to get more involved, I mean, it's probably at the point where sketching out some real, 
you know, plans or sketches or, or like literally sketches and wireframes for how this stuff could be, could be better. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm really excited about the user testing aspect. And that's probably if I dig in and get involved, that's the kind of thing I'll try to contribute with. But M-O-A-R discussion, more discussion all around. Yeah, that would be great. What's topic number two? Next up is a discussion about the Theme Hook Alliance, an idea which has been around for a couple of years now. Now, be warned that this conversation does get a little bit into the developer side of things. So if you aren't completely comfortable with that idea or aren't intrigued by it, then feel free to skip ahead. Uh, This actually has been coming up a little bit more recently, and it was brought up uh, in Grand Rapids, not in a session I was in, but in a sort of a neighboring session. There are actually four sessions, which is a lot for a first word camp. I mean, you you guys know. uh, Yeah, ridiculous. that's, that's That's a lot of tracks to have. Uh, but I saw on Twitter that it was like, hey, this came up in this other discussion, uh, which I think the most recent blog post I found was, and let me drop this in for you, uh, was Mr. Campbell, um, which is it's an idea that's been around for a couple of years, I think. Honestly, it was first brought up in the Tavern forums, uh, like in maybe 2010, I'm not sure exactly, uh, and then has kind of been you know, drummed up again and gotten some steam behind it. But basically the idea is, you know, there are already some standard actions that WordPress themes are supposed to and have to include really to work properly. WP head, WP footer, get sidebar, comment form. And the theme hook alliance is saying, let's standardize a bunch of other ones so that plugins and and everything else can take advantage of that, you know, uh, before main content, after content, before sidebar, these sorts of things. And so all sorts of, of discussion and ideas thrown around that. But uh, I guess mile high view, wh- what do you think of this idea? Uh, well, I think it's great. I've been using stuff like this for a long time. And I think a lot of people that have used any sort of, uh, well, certain types of frameworks have also been using something like this. Uh, I'm almost certain Genesis runs this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, hybrid core, which I use all the time runs this way. And basically you know, like you said, you can uh, create hookable areas all throughout your theme. Yes. But different themes have different uh, ways to name these hookable areas, different methods, different places that they uh, have hooks. And um, this was all started by Doug Stewart, if I'm not mistaken, uh, who is Zamus on Twitter. Is that right? Is that I how I pronounce it? Why not? Anyway. Uh, so he kind of put it together finally and, uh, you know, he's the one that spearheaded it on GitHub sure. uh, and created some standard hooks. And his goal is like, hey, all you theme authors support these. And what that would allow is plugins and themes and whatever to have consistent hooks to be able to work with, which is a really nice goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be fantastic I talked to two people, Michael Fields and Konstantin Kovshinin, mm-hmm. uh, at WordCamp San Francisco on the Dev Day, uh, for a long time about this, and mostly about like where do y'all think these should go? What do you think they should be named? And what when we we're talking about it, the whole goal was actually to get uh, some sort of ticket started for .org in some way to support these, maybe 2012 or maybe the next default theme somewhere down the road but anyway it seems to be picking up traction which is really great um what i, what I like most about this is that you know because i 
I think it was it was after it might have been before. No, it had to be after my um, my own talk in Grand Rapids, which was a presentation called "Every Theme Sucks and Nobody Cares." And one of the reasons I really like this idea is that it's a simple thing that theme developer developers sorry can implement that would put the I guess onus on plugin developers to make things compatible or at least give them the opportunity to make things compatible because honestly like you know it's nothing against theme developers but there are a lot of you know it's how it's how we started really i mean a beginning developer starts developing themes and it's a it's a it's a tall order i mean i think you'd probably agree the gulf between learning to make a theme and making a great theme is sometimes pretty wide uh, or i think usually pretty wide i've been making themes for a while but i'm feeling really dumb pretty consistently as i make one viewable under a public eye <laughs> Fair enough. No, I think I mean I and so I think the I like the I like the idea that a theme can just be sort of uh expectant of other plugins or of other things like plugins and this I, would be a not, quick way to get to that. It'd be great for plugins. Uh the other thing that it would be great for and um basically almost every uh, theme company would struggle from this is their themes get hacked when someone can't do what they want. Yeah. And theme hooks just provide that much more flex flexibility so that someone doesn't have to hack their theme. Mm -hmm. uh, they can have a custom plugin. They can do this from their child theme without overriding templates. There's a whole yeah. lot of ways that they can customize a parent theme way beyond what they could have done without hooks. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why I use them in my everyday workflow is because we customize stuff mostly from child themes uh, at work. And it's extremely valuable for that. And to have standard hookable areas, uh, I know both of us like the concept of creating plugins for specific themes. Mm -hmm. um, but you've created a couple for P2, I know. Mm -hmm. But now you can imagine what if we can create plugins for this wide block of themes that support the theme hook alliance? Well, I mean, think about the number of times that the one that I always go back to because so many different people use it. It's a pretty common one is the uh, breadcrumb plugin. I think it's NavXD. Mm -hmm. A lot of people use that one. And anytime you use it, you know that, well, here's the installation process. Grab this, you know, if function exists, then drop the stuff in and you go like edit your theme file to make it compatible. Well, that plugin, at least for those themes that, you know, we're following this theme hook alliance sort of guidelines that they're putting together here, it could just work. And that's a really exciting idea for both theme and plugin developers because that's one of the biggest issues, particularly with something, I mean, think about something as heavy as, as you know, BuddyPress or BBPress. Uh, JTRIP was in my Every Theme Sucks and Nobody Cares talk and was saying, you know, I, I think it applies more to extreme situations like his with BBPress and BuddyPress, but saying that it's a, it's a really difficult problem to solve making themes compatible with, you know, plugins any like, number of plugins, especially those like that. But if you're not going to filter the content at the front or the back or, you know, other other areas that are commonly hookable, then you're going to struggle getting your plugin functionality into that theme. Right. It's, it's, um, it's that much more difficult. <laughs> and what's also nice about this is it's not like your plugin can't work elsewise. It, otherwise, it's, uh, you can check, is this installed? Yes. work magically yes if it's not installed you know work with a little extra uh you know effort yeah and also uh frameworks like hybrid core genesis 
and excuse me for not naming all the other ones that use hooks, uh, they can basically create wrappers for these same things too, so mm-hmm. that their hooks work. These hooks work. Yep. I mean, it and, could be it could be as simple as I mean, there there could be a uh, you know theme hook alliance compatibility plugin that just would introduce support for a lot of the like the, that's the nice part about the theme frameworks that do include hooks is that we, you you could include compatibility for them. You know, that's yep. the great thing about it. And there's plugins that do this already. Yoast SEO plugin already does this. If mm-hmm. I if I have breadcrumbs enabled in my theme through the framework, uh, Yoast SEO plugin, if I enable breadcrumbs, he will automatically find and replace my breadcrumbs because uh, you know he supports the hooks that are there. Right. Um, and you know that's not an impossible thing to do. Uh, and you can you can I can imagine this getting a lot of support really quickly because I don't really see any negative side effects. It's not like it's an expensive thing to include in themes at all. No. Um, it's just good. It's just good. It's just good. It helps it helps theme, it helps plugins and child themes. Actually that reminds me slight sidebar but kind of related. Uh, Chip Bennett's presentation in Grand Rapids he talked about making child theme friendly themes. And one of the things that he talked about which I hadn't considered or seen this idea presented before but seems really really cool. Uh, he talked about um, dropping or, or including uh, a theme's theme options in a filter to allow them to be either set with new defaults, uh, added to, or removed entirely in a child theme or plugin. That idea, as you might imagine, got me pretty damn excited. You know, the idea of, you know, assuming that you know, themes were doing that, you could say, well, just here's a plugin that just makes these options go away. Or in my child theme, I don't need any of those. Those are all gone. Uh, really sort of cool ideas like that just it was like a a crazy awesome theme compatibility day in Grand Rapids like talking about these ideas again and then Chip's ideas uh, good good stuff it's just a matter of implementing them it's just a matter of using them Um, which in this case different than the the plugin uh, reviews this stuff like you said is pretty easy to implement and I think the way that this catches steam is people just start including that in their themes and making their plugins support it yeah, absolutely. Uh, hopefully, we didn't lose a whole lot of people on this. <laughs> this might be a little bit, uh, you know, one level deep, maybe. If someone didn't understand and they got to this point, congratulations. Yeah, way to go. Uh, if you want to learn more, basically, you would include this with the add action uh, functionality in WordPress. And it's, I heard a great. It was on Twitter. Somebody, uh, Rarst retweeted it from somebody else. I have no idea where it came from, so I apologize mm-hmm. to whoever created it. But if you imagine that you have a landscape, like a big field, like a farm or something, uh, an action hook is like, what if you have that landscape and then you say, I want to put a cow on it? And <laughs> your hook basically just says, okay, insert your cow here. Insert cow. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> that is a action hook. That's exactly how they work. If you look in a core, it just says, you know, if cow, if and is if you, cow available. <laughs> no. <laughs> Filter will replace your grass with pebbles. <laughs> uh, so we'll include the links in the show notes. It's on GitHub. Uh, there's some great blog posts and stuff to follow up. Uh, basically, if you make themes, start including them. If you make plugins, start looking for them. Yeah? Yes? Absolutely. Good all around. That does it for episode 34 of the WP Candy Podcast. Big thanks to Brian Krogsgaard for joining me on this week's episode. You can check us out, of course, at wpcandy.com and on iTunes. Please give us a favorable review. 
You can find all of the links that we talked about in the show notes on the blog. And of course, you can also find the after show for this episode there as well. And we'll see you next week for episode 35. 